0: Hey, everybody, we have another great episode of Friends with Employee Benefits for you. And this one features Patrick Yam, who's the CEO and co-founder of Somnology. And Somnology, they're a digital health company, and they're focused specifically on sleep and identifying sleep disorders, uh, but also uh, offering therapeutic treatment for some of those sleep disorders as well on a digital platform. Really interesting stuff. Patrick is very well versed in what lack of sleep is and how it can affect your employees in your company. He had a, a long career on Wall Street, <laughs> uh, where lack of sleep was the norm, and and it's really one of the things that um, led to his founding of Somnology. And and as HR professionals, this is something that you really need to hear about because you know you're all facing the Great Resignation and a bunch of employees who are, uh, you might not be aware of them all that are contemplating making a career change and a job change and leaving their their current position. And so this is just one of the things you need to be aware of as you try to create a better environment, uh, a happier environment, a better work-life balance for your employees. Sleep is a big part of that equation. So listen carefully and uh, here we go. Well, Patrick, thanks so much for joining us today. You know, As you know, we're in the middle of Q4, which in our business at least is really filled with with long work days, um, little sleep, a lot of stress. I think that's an environment you're you're maybe familiar with from your days back on on Wall Street. Is that correct? Absolutely, Jeff. You know the thing is, is that when I was on Wall Street,
1: it's the time of the year in which I uh, I say that it's a four-hour rule, and that's the magnitude of sleep that you have during this period of time. Mm.
0: Yeah. So we're going to get into that and why that might be a problem. Um, you know, sleep happens outside of work. It's really a personal matter. We we most of us don't sleep on the job, although I've seen it once or twice. But so since it's a personal thing and sleep happens off the job, why should employers even care about their employees' sleeping habits?
1: You know what, Jeff? I kind of question that because the thing is it. with the magnitude of 70 million people that have sleep disorders. And this is more akin to being a pandemic and a public safety issue as much as it is for an employer being considerate of the health of their employees, which is certainly more than evident these days given the mental health challenges that are pervasive as employees are returning to the workforce.
0: So uh, you're saying there, there's clearly a connection between sleep disorder and behavioral health issues as well as well as physical health issues. It's, it's all interconnected, I guess.
1: It is, and how You know, sleep, which is the third pillar of health, there, is probably the most understated, unappreciated aspect of one's health because. You do it, you know, four, eight hours a day. You, you, it, it's so innate. You've, you've slept since the time of your birth. And, and the thing is, is that improper sleep, sleep disorders, lead to the accentuation of comorbidities as Alzheimer's, neurological diseases, cardio-related diseases, and many others. We, we looked at that early on when we did two clinical trials with the National Institute of Health, looking at the corollary corollary between sleep disorders and in that instance of metabolic disease, namely diabetes, which is rather significant.
0: The connection therefore for the employer is, okay, when people have, when people aren't sleeping well and not getting a, a good night's sleep with regularity, it can lead to all these other comorbidities, both physical and behavioral and, and which can increase their healthcare spend. But aren't there other, aren't there other issues, Patrick, in terms of you know, productivity or lack thereof, safety on the job? Uh, I mean, you don't want people working, heavy machinery um, when they're sleep deprived, right?
1: You know, Jeff, these are all elements of productivity, and productivity is directly impacted if safety issues are more than evident, and you're not operating in a safe condition. I I think the thing is is that employers, especially in this period of time, when we're returning from the surreal pandemic of COVID-19, which is still ongoing. Is ever more looking to regain the economic engine of productivity? So how, how do I re how do I regain, reestablish productivity among a workforce that's returning? Let alone, let's think about the quid pro quo from the perspective of the employee, who's also looking at it from the fact that, geez, my employer is they're concerned about my work-life balance, my health, and that reflects itself in employee satisfaction, which having been an executive for as long as I have is very important to me because the cost of training, mm-hmm. the cost of bringing on new people is ever, so, uh, is, is ever so costly in terms of not only dollars and cents, but in terms of time.
0: I guess we shouldn't assume you talk about sort of coming back from the pandemic and the rebound. We shouldn't assume that people are sleeping any better. Uh, You know, maybe I've just been working at home for the last 18 months. Now I'm going to start to come back in the office and an employer might think, oh, well, geez, you know, folks are going to be well rested now. They've been home and and able to, you know, to get a better night's sleep. It's probably not a good assumption to make, right? In fact, you're absolutely right, Jeff. Uh, It it is not a good assumption. Yeah.
1: Because the fact that now you have other aspects uh, of being in a group environment, you have perhaps that of stress that's getting further accentuated, and many others of, of a returning workforce working in a
0: communal environment. So so let's just kind of dig deeper into some of the, the factors that contribute to the high cost of sleep disorders. We were really sort of touching on, on on the surface, I think, but you know, there is a high cost of sleep disorder in the US, and you know, and there are limitations to current treatment approaches and protocols. And so, you know, what what you know what what's contributing really what to this high cost of sleep disorder in the US? Having been Having started my career at the Federal Reserve in D.C., this
1: macroeconomic training of mine always is pervasive. And I go back to Adam Smith, where Mm -hmm. and when demand exceeds supply, that in itself is a definition of a cost increase. Today, we have 70 million people that have sleep disorders, yet we only have 5,500 board-certified sleep physicians today it, given the limitation of of education about sleep in various medical schools the cost of a primary care physician saying to jeff cross uh, you know either take an ambien which isn't going to work for you or by the way go take a sleep test given the demand As I said a moment ago, the math doesn't work. The weight in itself extends out to 180 days, okay? Now, I'm not going to question whether or not a sleep test, which is a single night test, is reflective of one's sleep disorders. Certainly, if you have a severe uh, physical condition of, of sleep disorders, certainly it is. But from our work, which today... It exceeds 12,000 veterans in the last year, what we believe and what we've established through Somnology is a comprehensive sleep care platform known as SLAS. Cute little acronym, so don't laugh too loud, <laughs> but the thing is that it's Sleep Lab as a Service, which works with the employer to best evaluate their workforce for sleep disorders.
0: It occurs to me maybe we need to step back first, which is when you say sleep disorder, that's not just apnea, right? When like what what give us some examples of a sleep disorder, a diagnosable sleep disorder.
1: Well, you know, before this pandemic hit to, in the strides that it's hit, is in fact a lot of people travel. I still travel. I just came back from the East Coast. And one thing that's evident among people that travel a lot is the imbalance in time, which throws off the timing of your circulatory self, which is known as circadian rhythm. That's one thing. Another thing is the fact that some people are affected by insomnia, where they cannot sleep. And this in itself directly impacts their ability to work. And so you're, you're right, Jeff, it's that it extends beyond obstructive sleep apnea. And there's many other derivatives of sleep disorders.
0: It's not it's not all, you know, caused by some physical issue that, that might create apnea, it could be stress, insomnia could be stress induced or or because of some other comorbidity. And then then there's people who fall asleep just fine but then they wake up in the middle of night, they can't get back to sleep. Is that a diagnosable sleep disorder too? What do you call that?
1: Most certainly. The other thing is that propensity Happens to many of us as we as we age mm, yeah, I've get older. That.
0: <laughs> so, what do, ha, could, have we been able to quantify for an employer what the cost of all this is? So, you know, uh, so somebody's, you know, for whatever reason, they're not getting a good night's sleep. Either they can't fall asleep, they wake up, they can't get back to sleep. They're not really sleeping well because they're not breathing well. It, it do we can we quantify? You can quantify what the what the issue is. It sounds like for an employer, but but can you quantify uh, how much you can improve it if you if you address these issues in terms of productivity well, and, and absenteeism and other health issues?
1: Most certainly, if I may allow me to share with you two instances. Okay, one is the fact that Harvard Medical School did a report, a medical report and, study, and clinical study. Back in the early 2010 era, whereupon they assessed that the cost, not only in terms of productivity, but in terms of you know, injuries, Ill, illness, mm-hmm. at that point they had assessed that on a quantifiable basis to be 365 million dollars. Not small change. Yeah, that's in the United States. That's so. That's in the United States. yeah. Bear in mind, whereas we have 70 million people here domestically, the World Health Organization has estimated that population to exceed a billion people worldwide. That's basically one in six in, you know, around your dining room table that have a sleep disorder. Yeah, And quite frankly, it's ever growing greater than that because the rate of growth is roughly about seven or eight yeah, percent
0: per annum. Yeah, anecdotally, that sounds like it, it maybe that's an understatement. I mean, you know, it's it's I hardly run into anyone these days, at least my age, who who says, Oh yeah, I sleep really, really well every night. <laughs> well,
1: I, I tell you, Ambien's not the story. Yeah. It's not it's not the cure. It's not the um, because often enough times you go to your primary care physician they'll go, Hey, Jeff. They're not sleeping well. Go take the zambian and come and let's see how it goes. They're coming back in a week, a couple of weeks, and you're going, geez, I'm really groggy, okay? What we do here at Sumnology is that through our data engineers, we're ever getting greater granulation in terms of understanding sleep data and sleep character to the point where it's our intent
0: to be able to provide suggestions that are more targeted as we go in the future. Do you have some examples, though, of some, so Ambien's not the answer. What, what is the answer, or is that too broad of a, que- of a question? What, what's, what's, the, what's the alternative to a pill? You know,
1: you know what's alternative to a pill? And I, I mentioned it earlier is, I look at the fact that today you have sleep monitors, and certainly they're rather prolific. You've got the likes of Apple Fitbit and others. And but, you know, that's half the game is the way I look at it, because Jeff Cross will wake up in the morning. He sees his sleep data and says, how does that apply to me? That's the important. And that's the essence of why you wear a sleep monitor to best discern how does it apply to me and what do I do? Often enough times, I have people coming to me and say, I'm lost. Well, uh, Asymology, uh, our our plat- sleep care platform, it's comprehensive. It takes the next step because you can now schedule via telehealth you know, an application where we we've, we've, we've used for the last 10 years. And so this is seamless. You don't need to visit with, you know, our physicians, our healthcare specialists, and you can have direct relief report, you know, between between you and our healthcare specialists. They can spend 10 to 15 minutes with you on a quarterly basis, if that's a curiosity, and be able to share with you, Jeff, yeah, maybe you should get a little more exercise in, or by the way, dietarily, here's something for you to look at. Mm-hmm.
0: But everyone's different. I think you sort of alluded to this, Patrick, right? That everyone's different. I mean, if, if I get every night, I'm on a consistent schedule and I get five hours of really restful, restorative sleep every night, do I necessarily have a, a a problem? I mean, because I hear, well, you need at least eight hours of sleep. You need eight or nine hours of sleep. But aren't there some people who can function just fine on? It doesn't it vary person to person. You know the medical reports and
1: and the journals I read. Normally it's six and a half seven hours minimum. Mm -hmm. And and you're absolutely right. Sleep is individual. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, each and every one of us has a different propensity for how we best sleep. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and the consistency of your sleep may alter during the course of a week. Or yeah, and so the thing is, how do we provide you, whether or not it's six hours or eight hours, the capture of sleep character so that you can be at the best you can be? That's the essence of what we do.
0: Yeah. You know, the the majority of our audience, Patrick, is HR professionals and people who are in the benefits world and they' and they're're they're, they're trying to take care of their employees and and uh, clear the, the path for their employees to be as as productive and, and happy as they can be. And another thing that HR professionals are really thinking about these days is the great resignation, right? There's some studies yeah. are saying that that about half of people right now, half of employees across the country, are planning to leave their jobs or considering leaving their jobs that the pandemic has caused them to rethink what they want to do with their life. Essentially. What do I, what, what do I want to do when I grow up? And so what can HR professionals do for their employees to help them with, with this? Because, okay, safe to say, based on this conversation, if you're an employer, you, uh, you have a, a significant percentage of your employees that, that, that aren't getting enough sleep or the right kind of sleep, to have some form of sleep disorder, it's affecting their health, it's affecting their behavioral health, it's affecting their, uh, their productivity, it's affecting potentially their safety on the job. And so what, what can HR professionals do to better support their uh, employees? Well, for, first off,
1: just having that consideration is a start. Because you're thinking about the balance of work life, life, work. Mm. Okay, that's a start. You as an employer are ever considerate of the fact that how do I, on a return on investment perspective, get the best quotient of return for my medical benefit? Okay, you're looking at the fact that, geez, not only am I able to enhance productivity among my employees, as reflected by the fact that there should be there will be a a decrease in absenteeism. But then perhaps there should be a corresponding corollary to a decrease in medical costs, insurance costs. Mm -hmm. Okay. As I said earlier, one thing that's really important to me, and I've I've certainly have ran a a number of companies, is employee satisfaction. Because whether or not we call it the great resignation of 50% or, or whatever that, you know, quantifical percentages, I call this the great shift, okay? Mm -hmm. And the great shift is not a matter of the fact that you've gotten used to working at home, but how do you readjust the social values and social mores and characteristics you've developed, but you've developed by yourself over the course of the last 18 months, now, how do you integrate this back into a communal setting? So something as the concentration focus on sleep really will enhance productivity, certainly. And hopefully through through that, you're going to reduce stress. And reducing stress in a communal environment should get you more acclimated back into the workforce. Bear in mind one thing also from an employer standpoint, Jeff, is the fact that the services we provide have ready current C- cms cpt medical codes and
0: what does that mean that
1: means it's medically reimbursable
0: mm-hmm. it sounds what like what you're saying is that just by really treating sleep you call you call it the third pillar of health and and we, we could probably debate how many pillars there are i mean there's <laughs> physical there's uh, emotional and and uh, mental and uh, behavioral, financial health, but but if you if you consider sleep, its own separate pillar that it's that important in our employees' overall well-being, uh, and, and and therefore uh, have some level of focus on it. That that's where at least you have to start as an employer. Without a doubt, look it
1: takes up a third of your day, or should okay, mm-hmm. and. You as an employer, you're looking at hiring Jeff for the fact that Jeff has got the the probability of being able to exercise traits, knowledge, experience to be able to functionally be responsible in executing a position. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the thing is that from that viewpoint, you're you're looking at it and you're saying, geez, how do I best provide an environment? for my employee that's what we're saying okay and many others that are just leaving it at the table and monitoring haven't gone that extra step we've been in business we've had a practice a medical practice through my co-founder Dr. Melissa Lim for the past 20 plus years in one of the more iconic hospitals here in the Bay Area Sequoia Hospital and so, you know, we are focused on being knowledge leaders from a medical and a clinical perspective as to how to correct, you know, the, the individuals that we're, we're getting we're engaged with. That's different from the perspective of many others. Yeah.
0: How do you feel about naps?
1: You know what? I love naps. <laughs> I, love, I love pods in, in the office yeah. where somebody goes and and whether or not you're you're closing your eyes for a few minutes whether or not you're doing transcendental meditation whether or not you're doing anything else you need to reinvigorate that your body
0: yeah okay yeah i i I think of that i think of the the difference in the united like we don't have siestas in in the middle of the day here in in the in in the united states i mean maybe we should and maybe an employer doesn't need to wait for it to be a uh, you know, a, a national movement, you know, you can encourage, I think that there was a movie called uh, I think the internship where Vince Vaughn and, and uh, Owen Wilson go do an internship at Google. And um, <laughs> it's a funny movie if you haven't seen it anyway, you know, the, at the Google campus, they have these pods. You mentioned it, Patrick, these, these pods that uh, people would be encouraged to go take a midday, get a midday 15, 20 minute, close your eyes and, and, uh, and get some sleep. Um, some people say naps aren't good. It sounds like you're in favor of them.
1: I believe from a rest viewpoint and stance, they are, you know, I'm, I'm you know, personally I'm in favor. Of them. Yeah.
0: Patrick, anything that we missed today that, that you think we should talk about? First
1: off, most enjoyed this discussion with you as I have in the past. I think your questions are thorough it's comprehensive and all I can share with you.
0: It's time to awaken to sleep. That's a great tagline. I think we should leave it at that. Uh, However, Patrick, before you go, we always ask our guests a few rapid fire questions. We want to get to know you a little bit better. So we got four or five questions here, five or six questions I want to ask you. Quick top of mind answer. Are you ready for that? Go for it. Okay, we're heading into the fall. Actually, we're in the fall season here. What's your favorite season? Fall. Popular answer. How about your favorite cake flavor? Chocolate. All right. You and I are, are on the same page so far. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would you live? Where I'm living right now, in the hills above Stanford University. That sounds nice. I could be there in about seven hours. So uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're welcome, Jeff. You're welcome. Thank you. uh,
0: here's a good one. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten? You know, I ate scorpion once in Beijing.
1: It fried scorpion, you know, a different taste, but, you know, it wasn't so unique and
0: distinct as I ever thought it would be. Finally, one more question. Our theme at One Digital this year is rise. We all went through a tough 2020 and it's been, you know, not the easiest 2021 so far uh, for everybody. So, how, Patrick, will you personally rise through the rest of this year and into 2022? You know, I believe in the fact that the glass is only half full. I believe in the fact
1: that you wake up every each and every morning thinking about not what you know, but what you don't know. You have to rise to the occasion of understanding the fact that the world is but an oyster. It's for you to be able to open that shell to best uncover. And I think the thing is, is that we, globally, we've been challenged by a pandemic that we've not seen for 100 years since 2018. These are very challenging times. I think there are times in which you as a medical benefit director or you as a C-level executive need to think differently in, in respect to how
0: best to engage with your employees. Excellent. Great advice. Thank you again, Patrick, for joining us today. Uh, I I agree. I think it was a great conversation and I I hope our listeners think think so as well. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We really do appreciate your support. This has been another episode of Friends with Employee Benefits.